I'm Yonit Levy of Channel 12 in Tel Aviv. And I'm Jonathan Friedland of The Guardian in London. And we are Unholy, two Jews on the news from Keshet Podcast in our very last episode of 2021. How are you feeling at year's end, Jonathan? I have the champagne on ice, the party hats aplenty, maybe even a few crackers ready to see in 2022. And I don't know, eggnogs, Manischewitz wine, something. Give me something, man. Let's go crazy and uncork a bottle of Manischewitz, <laughs> Concord grape wine. You know, maybe even we'll throw in a bottle of Kedem and go wild. Um, no, I think, well, of course, it is uh, the new year and um, Shabbat at the same time. So there, this will be yet another dilemma uh, for uh, Sabbath observance. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a quite muted sort of new year vibe, I think partly just because uh, some of these restrictions that are in place and, you know, yet again, another year where probably people did think a year ago this would be a regular new year and parties, etc. would be able to go ahead as normal. And it's not quite like that, is it? No, it's kind of, it kind of feels like let's lower our expectations a little bit. Um, I have uh, uh, good friends living uh, in London, besides you, Jonathan, who I always call about once a month and I say, you know, I think I'm having my... Uh, COVID meltdown. They say, we don't call it COVID meltdown. We have pandemic-sensitive days. So <laughs> I think it's, a, it's kind of been a pandemic-sensitive year in that regard, and I hope that uh, the next one won't. Now, we decided uh, this yes. episode uh, yes. to not try and, you know, look at our crystal ball and say what can happen, because, you know, obviously COVID is the big unknown, and trying to predict the future in this world is, you know, you'll, you might end up like that famous 1924 article in the New York Times saying uh, prison tamed Adolf Hitler, right? I mean, no, you don't want to be that person. So let's not. Uh, and instead, we're going to do, do something notice, that you what said- a Jewish podcast. Let me interrupt you because how Jewish is a podcast <laughs> that when we're celebrating the new year and getting into party mode, we mention Adolf Hitler within, what, three minutes? That's what we managed to <laughs> I think do. it's four, if you're <laughs> really petty. I think it took me four, and that Jews- was a lot. <laughs> Two Jews on the news who know how to party. <laughs> We're into the Adolf Hitler references before even the snacks have been distributed around the well, room. Well, this is what you need alcohol for. I mean, we're building it up. I think we're doing a good job. We're helping people. Um, Definitely invite so- Yonit to your party early because she really gets the party started with the Hitler references <laughs> slipping and in she's there. She's obviously horrible at small talk, so invite her early when no one else is there and she doesn't have anyone to Before the coats to. are even off, we're into the Third Reich <laughs> and the failed putsch of 1923. I'll have you know I'm very fun, Mr. Friedland, occasionally, <laughs> like once, once in uh, two or three years. Um, <clears throat> so... Um, yes. What we get to do idea, on this podcast? Your idea for this program, which I really liked, yes. was to give out the few things that we dread uh, for the coming year, and uh, one thing we look forward to because we're Jews, we have more things we dread than things we look forward to. So each of us will talk about the two uh, the two things that we dread, the fear and the one thing that we look forward to. That is what we are going to do on this program. And now you shall begin. I shall like. because it, and in a way, we already got there because. You know, I dread the idea that in a year's time, you and I will still be talking about COVID and what's the year ahead going to bring. Because last time, I remember we did know, as in New Year's Eve going into 2021, 
we knew that the vaccines were coming um, and there was a hope that, look, maybe we have to just get through this next year, but then it will be over. And I think the idea that we are once again in restrictions and talking about waves and, you know, boosters and efficacy and uh, uh, and so on is just, you know, fine for the year that's gone, but my dread is that it goes on another year um, because partly, I mean, I you know, approach this like many, many things, partly as a sort of father. And I've just seen, you know, my kids aged 20 and 17, these are meant to be the best years of their lives, you know, in a way. And, and there are, they've been, they've, a lot of their experience has been really diminished by this. And I really don't want that to keep happening. It's fine if it's sort of a period, but not if it's a really long period. And if you're 17, you know, three years is a big part of your life. And enough already is my sort of main point. <laughs> um, I don't want this to be an endless loop where, you know, we, we think we get on top of it, we found the vaccine, and then a new variant comes out. And so we have to start all over again. My my hope, just to, you know, move from dread to hope in, in terms of COVID, is that maybe, and I really, I think listeners will already have picked up, I am not a scientist of any kind, but the hope would be that perhaps if Omicron is the milder form and really does spread everywhere, then maybe that becomes the disease. And then, you know, I know enough just from the history of uh, with Spanish flu, eventually it became just regular flu. Uh, and that was the one everyone got. So that's my hope is that we are by this time next year, if it hasn't gone altogether, we're dealing with a much lower level thing that doesn't require us to upend our lives. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd agree with that. I think that the, I, I'm going to be the optimist between the both of us, which is a strange place for me to be. So I like it. bear with me. But I mean, if we have the perspective of history, then we have to say that every pandemic dies down, right? And here we have science and we have vaccines, you know, that developed in warp speed. We will win this. Um, it will take longer than we expected. We have to kind of, you know, brace for that and know that. Um, I said one of our episodes, I think it was like Yom Kippur, and I said, let's stop asking when will this be over and just have, ask ourselves um, how we live with uncertainty. So I take that back. When will this be over is a question we should ask. It will eventually yeah. happen. I will just, as I said, I think it will just take longer than than we thought it would. Um, I think that's yes. true, but I, yeah. I find myself being slightly the kid in the back of the car who knows we will get there, but nevertheless <laughs> keeps asking, are we there yet? You know? And I do feel a bit impatient. I want, you know, I agree with you. We will beat this thing. Right. Um, and also, and also but, it's taken into consideration the news cycle is so hurried these days, right? So you kind of want to know tomorrow what the Omicron is and is it, does it live, can it overcome the vaccine? Yes or no? And you want the answer in an hour and we want it until the next tweet. But these things take time. So it will yes. take time. We have to take a breath and, and, and move on. Yeah, and um, I think the um, the two year point um, is in my head. March twenty twenty two will be two years more or less, and in a way, I'm sort of saying, okay, I'll give you that. But then after that, you know, <laughs> I'm done. Your fun. I'm done. We've had your fun. We're done. We're done after that. So anyway, that's my uh, dread uh, to get us going. Your first, one of them. Anyway. Your first of two. That's my first. I've got a long list. Believe me. But what, <laughs> what are you? What's on your mind for twenty twenty two? Well, I, it's a little bit different. I mean, obviously, I'm worried about COVID as well. But I think we 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 talked on this uh, program uh, more than once about the high cost of living uh, in Tel Aviv. We talked about Tel Aviv be becoming the most expensive city in the world. Um, and just to kind of stress that point, uh, I think Tel Aviv was on the top of the list. New York was somewhere, uh, I think it was number six 
on the list. And if you just compare the average salary in the country, with the, which is $3,077 in Tel Aviv and $5,934 in New York, you realize the problem of living in Tel Aviv and just generally living in Israel and the high cost of, of living. And I, I know I said we're not going to look at the magic eight ball, but I don't think that you have to be any kind of prophet or even any kind of economist to say this is going to get worse, right? I mean, the more we're going to have, uh, of course, it's great that Israel is the high-tech hub and there are unicorns here and huge companies, but the more that happens and the more we talk about it, the more foreign investments are coming in, the more Israeli millionaires, the more are going to want to live in Tel Aviv, the more the n- normal people who don't have that kind of money are going to leave uh, the city. And, and that money is not as yet, you know, trickling down to the rest of Israel. You have a transportation system that is primitive. You have a lot of other problems. And, and this is not something that is changing. And when you look forward and say, okay, so obviously the Jewish mother doesn't want her, the Jewish Israeli mother doesn't want her doctor, her son to be a doctor or a lawyer anymore. She wants him to go into high tech and be an entrepreneur. And that has a lot of huge societal, you know, effects. It means what people are going to do in the military. It means what they do later in life. It means what kind of society we're going to be. These are a lot of things that I'm, I'm concerned about. We can just go back talking to viruses if you want. Uh, no, our theme on this podcast is very often the relationship between Israel and the world, the Jewish world outside Israel, Israel and diaspora. And it just struck me listening to you that there is an extra dimension here that Tel Aviv has to deal with the other big cities on that list don't. And that is, it's a magnet not only for the people who live in that country, but for the people who live in the world around, not just mm-hmm. in the sense that, yes, there are Malaysians who buy property in London as an investment, but who feel this kind of emotional connection. So on top of all the other people who are jostling for space in Tel Aviv, we know that there are big influx recently of French Jews who've bought places there, um, you know, American Jews, British Jews. There are people who, for all kinds of good reasons, want to feel they have a you know, piece a stake in the society, and have and can afford to, and that must also be driving up prices. This relationship, in other words, between Israel and diaspora, even has an effect on this because it means there's more demand. It's, it's costing for a very us money. finite resource. Yeah, it's a finite resource space. But but if that would be an interesting thought, is is there a way to make this relationship work somehow? You know that it does work out for Israelis um, who, uh, who need a place to live and you know, non-Israeli Jews who want to have a place that they're not necessarily in all the time. I don't know. There's there's a problem there, but maybe there's a solution contained somewhere inside it, given the relationship between the two isn't just a transactional financial relationship. There's more going on there. So your dread is that the city you live in becomes even more costly. I've got a, a, a dread. Um, I don't have to worry about that so much uh, these these days now, as you took great pleasure in telling us, uh, now that London is plummeted to 17 <laughs> on that list, that isn't such an immediate um, pressing concern, although the cost of living is a big issue in this country as well. No, it is a political thing that's on my mind, and that is relatively far far away, but it will have a huge effect on the whole planet, I think. And that is midterm elections in 2022 in the United States. That's going to be the big political story out of America throughout the year. Obviously, they come around every uh, uh, two years. Every the, the Congress is, uh, the House of Representatives is up for election and a third of the seats in the Senate, lots of governorships. It happens every two years. But this one feels like it matters a lot. Joe Biden's presidency is in a lot of trouble as we head into 2022. 
Um, you know, maybe it was always going to be that way, given it was a kind of photo finish. He won the Senate just 50-50, and they, the Democrats lost seats in the House. Really hard for him to do a transformational agenda when, you know, he doesn't even have all his own party on board. But his poll numbers are really poor. And um, my worry is, if the Democrats take an absolute pounding in 2022, which they might, and if Republicans regain the House and the Senate and lots of those governor's mansions where they get power over running the elections that follow, it could be rolling the pitch, you know, preparing the ground for the return of you-know-who in 2024, uh, meaning Donald Trump. And, you know, it is a preoccupation. I know I talk about it a lot on this podcast, but it's a proper pre mm. preoccupation. I'm not sure the world can take the world's most important democracy being run by an authoritarian uh, leader like him again. So I'm pretty worried about that. When I was thinking about that, what I found was that um, Naftali Bennett, the Israeli prime minister, is constantly telling the American president, you know, there's certain things that you want, by the way, another big issue that we're going to see this year, right, of course, is going to be the Biden-Bennett uh, relationship and how that and how the Biden administration is going to start pushing on Bennett, seeing that his government is somewhat stable, is going to push on him to, to do certain things vis-a-vis uh, um, -vis the Palestinians. And Bennett keeps telling him, you know, this is, I'm in such a dire political situation. <laughs> like, really? You're going to try that line on Joe Biden this year? Good luck. Um, if we are on the issue of Israeli politics, I know that we weren't, yes. but I just pulled us there. Is that okay? You totally did. I was just going to say, I think, completely legitimately, because the, I think the Bennett thing is really interesting, because the post-Bibi effect begins to fade right. a little bit you know it's not enough just to be not bb netanyahu that was great for the first year but in 2022 i think it might be a thing with okay now i'm actually going to look at you and see i've established that you're not netanyahu now right. who is this guy who's facing me if in the white house or in the you know in the chancelleries of europe etc bennett has to now have his own profile that isn't just not the other guy True. I mean, look, 2021 is the year where Netanyahu and Trump left the stage, but the movements that admire them and run them still exist, and they're still in the air, obviously. They're both two politicians who want to come back. And as you say, Naftali Bennett is still very weak in the polls, right? I think he had a party when his when in the polls he went from his party went from six seats in the Israeli parliament out of 120 to nine. So he grew a little bit, but but it's still a little bit. I mean, he doesn't have the base. And, you know, we come we come off a year, two years of four election night broadcasts. We had four elections in two years. So if you ask me what I dread, honestly, a fifth election night broadcast, right? I mean, there's so many things that could still happen to this coalition. Um, a lot of political pundits in this country believe that as long as Netanyahu is in the picture, he is the glue. Their animosity towards him is the glue that's holding everyone together. They know they have nowhere to go. By the way, just note that this is also going to be the year where Netanyahu finally takes the stand in his trial. If he, you know, the performance of a lifetime from a performer of once in a lifetime. So if he, we will know how bad the situation is by the time that happens. And so that will always also give us an indication of how volatile this, this government is. They're standing on two legs. They're shaky, but they're standing. If there is, uh, heaven forbid, a war that, that, you know, blows up this coalition, if there's any other outside intervention, uh, then we, we, we shall, shall indeed look at a, fifth, uh, at a fifth election. Which I know for all kinds of reasons of just personal well-being, you are justified in dreading because that is a marathon for you. 
See, who says we're not bringing you cheer and festive sweetness and light with that prospect uh, looming? Uh, we should talk about what we do look forward to, though. Um, and we should admit it took us a while to find those things, didn't it? I know. I, I'm, I'm worried now by what you said about how Jewish it is to focus on everything we're dreading. Um, <laughs> but OK, what we look forward to, I'm going to throw in uh, well, a couple of things. I sort of half am look, looking forward to this. So this is a bridge between dread and looking forward to, because it's got elements of both. But, uh, you know, I'm... So I what is it exactly? You're looking forward to it, but with a stomachache? I mean, how? what is this yeah. category that we're going into? Again, that's another okay. very Jewish category. I'm looking forward to it with a little bit of anger. So you, okay. you'll know that I'm a relatively late convert to the beautiful game, to football. But one thing I always loved were international tournaments, just even long, long ago. And there is a World Cup um, looming. It's going to be the end of 2022. The reason why there's some dread is it's a winter World Cup, and it's in Qatar. Um, and the grounds for dread there are... Winter, kind of not the right time. The whole point about a World Cup tournament is everyone's outdoors and you're what you know what even if you're not there, you're watching the games on big outdoor screens and people have friends over and barbecues and all that, and you watch the England team uh amazingly last time progress to the final, although of course eventually lose on penalties. Um that's preordained. But you know, that's part of the fun. And then and Qatar is problematic in kind of all kinds of ways because Qatar building um, uh, these stadiums, etc., and using all kinds of really questionable labour practices uh, involving migrant labour, many reports about uh, completely inhuman conditions. So it's come at a huge cost, this uh, World Cup. But nevertheless, for the f- beautiful game itself and the football, it's always a treat, a big international tournament. So that's one of, my, that's one of the things on my list. Well, I'm just uh, looking the, the the translation of what you said really is that my television will be taken over and I will have no rights in my own home. Um, and I'll have to pretend like this all is very interesting. I don't watch television, which is strange for someone who works in television. But I can say that there are some cultural things I look forward to this year if, you know, it's probably not going to be on a screen. Uh, on, but first of all, it? the... The, the Paul Newman memoir is supposed to come out. Uh, he had begun recording himself since 1980. So I think that could be incredibly interesting uh, uh, thing to look forward to. Elana Ferrante, or whatever her name is, is putting out a book about writing, which I'm really looking forward to. I find that mm. um, reading authors about how they write, even if you don't like reading the author himself, I'm thinking of Stephen King's book about writing, which is phenomenal, um, even though the rest of his novels uh, scare the living daylights out of me. But that book is wonderful. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I don't know if you've heard of him, but my friend Jonathan Friedland is putting out a book. I'm still waiting for some kind of copy that, you know, or maybe he expects me to just buy it like the rest of the world. But that book will be coming out in 2020. Well, Thank you for mentioning that. I, that is something I am looking forward to too. The reason why I'm looking forward to, to be honest with you, is I have been so pent up with this story. The book is going to be called The Escape Artist. As I've mentioned to you before, it is the story of the first Jew and one of only four Jews ever to break out of Auschwitz. It's an amazing story, but the point is I've been living with it for the last two years in my head uh, and sort of at my desk all the time. And to have it back out in the world or to have it out in the world will be a kind of great relief um, and to share it with other people. And so I am looking forward to that, actually. Um, So thank you for mentioning that. I was also going to mention a book and also, funnily enough, about, well, if not writing, certainly about the writer's life. And that is a memoir from the great British novelist uh, Howard Jacobson. 
uh, and the book is called Mother's Boy, um, a, a Writer's Beginnings. Howard Jacobson is sometimes, I think I may have called him the British Philip Roth. Um, Rightfully he so. always He always prefers being called the Jewish Jane Austen. Um, <laughs> he's a brilliant writer, a brilliant novelist, and... Uh, I mean, just one exquisite sentence after another. I don't know of another writer with more control over each sentence by sentence. Um, but now he's written uh, nonfiction, a memoir of growing up. And it is, I've been lucky enough to have a sneak preview. Uh, and I've I've loved it. And it is just this thing that Howard Jacobson brings, it, you know, brilliantly clever but also very tender and 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 human and we and tremendously insightful about his own becoming really a Jew and a man um, and it's a it's a it's a beautifully told story. So Mother's Boy is something very much to look forward to in 2022. And I was going to mention just something cultural as well on which is straddling the great divide between us, which is an Israeli TV show, which is going to be we hope. Um, uh, on international screens in 2022, and that is Beauty Queen of Jerusalem. Yeah, that's a, a story adapted uh, from a book. It's a family in Jerusalem, three generations of a Sephardi family. It's actually a beautiful book. Uh, I have to confess I haven't seen the television uh, series. I understand there was a bit of a row there because the, one of the lead a- uh, actors, Michael Aloni, who also acts in Shtisel, uh, plays in Shtisel, he is not Sephardi, actually. So, you know, that's a whole issue there. But it really is a beautiful story about the relationship bet- inside a family and also very specifically the relationship between mothers and daughters and how to maybe uh, break out of certain loops that families know how to uh, put you in. I think it's, it really is. I, I, I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it's, it's really a wonderful thing. And it's wonderful that it's traveling. We've talked about the success of Israeli television before on our podcast. Um, and I think that could be a wonderful thing. Good. So um, I agree. And that's a proper recommendation from you. Admittedly of the novel, it now makes me think I should maybe do the novel first before it comes to our Of course you should do uh, the novel first. Our We're nerds. Screens. What don't you get? Yeah. <laughs> now we are not. Uh, what don't you get? It's so true. Uh, how have I not get that yet? Um, now, before we're not going to do uh, chutzpah and mention of the year because that that is just too daunting an award. But I did want to mention. Um, so it counts as a mention. Uh, it's definitely in that category. Uh, we we get some lovely notes from listeners to Unholy, uh, and I got a lovely one um, sent to me from Juliet Overlander in the UK. It says I so enjoy listening to you and your neat on Fridays as I'm preparing Shabbat dinner. Um, there's always something interesting that I can bring to the table in the evening that provokes a good discussion. She then goes on to say, you might be pleased to know that members of the Holocaust Survivors Centre in London know about your podcast too. As a volunteer, I run group discussions and this week uh, we talked about Unholy. Um, that gives me great pleasure. That, you know, we talk a lovely. lot about the negatives. That's wonderful. Uh, that there are, there are among our listeners um, uh, Holocaust survivors. The Survivor Centre, I've been there, I've reported on it, I wrote about it for The Guardian. It is an extraordinary place that does extraordinary work. It's a very, just the whole idea of it is profoundly moving. The people there are terrific um uh you know the discussions there when i was there lively and engaged and the idea that unholy is part of that is is a great thrill and we thank them very much that they're listening really um i want to say something else about what i look forward to uh, jonathan if i may which is we're going to live in uh, we know that 
we're going to see the meta and the avatars and the all kind of virtual realities that the uh, big tech companies are preparing for us. Uh, but in the spirit of just human connection, I'd love to, first of all, spend this year with friends and family. And if there's any chance to actually meet in person, I remember when we met in October and it was a kind of a rushed visit of mine to London and it kind of, it, there was a second where it looked like it wasn't going to uh, pan out. And you said, no, if it's too much of, you know, pressure to don't come now, come later. I said, no, I feel like I have to come now because it's going to be complicated to come later. Uh, and it became indeed very complicated to come uh, to London again. And um, if there's one thing that I kind of wish for this year is that we could actually meet in person. My big, uh, big idea is to take Unholy on the road. <laughs> such Seems a good idea. a little idea. like a far dream, far away dream right now. But, um, but yeah, just load Lior, our EP on the, you know, on the top of the car and just go driving. Uh, I really echo that. I want us to be able to meet in person. We've met in London, as you say. Next stop has to be Tel Aviv. Uh, I have made a point of being in Israel every year from age 16 on onwards, from 1983 onwards. It was an unbroken run, but I have not been to Israel this last, since the pandemic. So uh, in 2022, I want that to change. I want you and I to be with each other in person uh, in Tel Aviv. But also, um, as you say, uh, we want Unholy to come to where you live, uh, the listener. Uh, we would love to be on the road, as Yonit says. So that is a hope for 2022 uh, as well. Um, in the meantime, if you've enjoyed what we've been doing on the podcast this year, please do mention it to your friends. Make that a New Year resolution for 2022, that you write a review or give us a rating um, or uh, in any other way, spread the word. Right, and it's uh, our podversary in two weeks, Jonathan. So if a weird cutout poster of me arrives in the... <laughs> just ignore, ignore it. It was a weird moment I had. Just ignore it. Um, so have a great year. We shall meet on the other end of 2022. And... Um, I hope uh, you'll have a great vacation. Some of us are not taking a vacation. So just have yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Be well. We'll talk next week. See you.